Let me walk through these lightsabers real quick on the stage. It's a very a first thing uh, time for me this weekend. I got to speak on a stage with a lot of bacon behind me, which was beautiful and awesome. Although it should have been scratch and sniff, right? That would have totally led us to the throne. But then uh, get to speak on a stage full of lightsabers is super cool. This is awesome. What's up, First Baptist Louisville? You doing all right? You sound like it. Awesome. Listen, we had an incredible weekend with your students, man. That's a great group of kids. And some of those guys were beast on the ninja course, man. Uh, ripping up their hands, having fun on it. It was super awesome. I love to do what I do. It is, it is awesome. Uh, I'm going to share a little bit about, about myself before I open up God's word with you. But if you want to go ahead and jump over to uh, Paul's letter to Titus, you can do that if you're kind of new to scripture and into the word. It's towards the end of the Bible. There in what we call the epistles, Paul, uh, a man of God, wrote a, uh, a bunch of letters to some churches and some pastors throughout the church. But uh, before we begin, my name is Brent Burden. I'm with Overcoming Obstacles Ministries. Uh, it's a nonprofit. We travel around with our Ninja Warrior Corps experience and we share the gospel like how crazy cool is that that is super super awesome that's not all I do though I'm a uh, full-time pastor uh, of worship and creative arts at First Baptist Levon so you got another Baptist in the house Baptist bacon man we can get along all together right Uh, uh, I just jumped on there in January uh, before that, I spent a lot of years in student ministry. Uh, I love this next generation. I believe very much that this generation is going to get behind the great, greatest movement of God that this world has ever seen. Uh, I truly believe that with all of my heart. And I think a big reason for that uh, is because they really are hungry for what is authentic. They don't want the fake stuff. This church traditions that we hold so tightly to that in the grand scheme of things are not uh, very important. Like they, they don't want to bother with those things. They want Jesus, which is the most important thing. They truly do want it. And I look around the room right now and I see a lot of gray hair. All right. Y'all are going to kick me out of here already. All right. If you start throwing things at me, it's not tomatoes and those things. You got to find bacon this weekend. All right. Good luck finding that. I see a lot of gray hair in this, in, in this room. And what that tells me is there's a lot of wisdom in this room. Scripture says a gray hair is a crown of glory. And I want you to understand something very clearly that a lot of people uh, that have been in student ministry, we talk a lot about the next generation, right? You are crucial to this next generation and what they believe about Jesus. Like they're watching your every move, right? They, they'll listen to you. They'll do that, but they're watching you. How do you respond to trials? How do you respond to victories? How are you leading out? What in your life is reflecting that the most important thing is Jesus, right? Um, I want to introduce my family to you on the screen. I I wanted to start with uh, my little boy Crosby. Uh, He is four months old. Uh, we had a long journey with fertility uh, with him, uh, and he is uh, our most recent. He's at the back, and he's like, I call him the tank ninja. Um, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to work with some of that weight he's carrying if he's gonna be a good ninja one day. Uh, his sister is on the left there. That's Zoe. Uh, she is uh, 11 years old. I adore her. Uh, I adore you, sweetheart. And on the right, there's my smoking hot wife, Lori. Um, she is my rock. I love her to death. That is my family. That's 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 my everything. Uh, my partners in ministry. Uh, I'm not sure what the next slide is, so go ahead and go 
go there, if you will. Uh, okay, on the left is normal youth pastor Brent, okay? Uh, about three years ago, man, we're in the grind of ministry and having fun and, and seeing God do amazing things. And God just places a heart, uh, a desire on my heart to go start going to the gym. Like, okay, God, let's go do this. Uh, really, reality is I just needed an escape from ministry. It was hard. It was tough. I needed a place to go be be by myself with a bunch of crazy people in the gym, uh, but to really focus on me. And what I noticed is I, I just fell in love with it. I don't know why. And I just started going to the gym five days a week out of the blue and have stayed committed to that for almost three years now. And that's me today, how God has transformed me physically. And that's not what we're really focusing on today. Um, but in my, uh, my last uh, stop in student ministry, man, God used us in great ways. We saw God do incredible things. Uh, over the last COVID year, right, I said the C word, uh, God, I think, used that to kind of shift our hearts out of student ministry. And for me, that was a scary thing because student ministry is all I've ever known my entire life. My dad was a youth pastor. I've seen it from all angles. And somehow, in a second, I'll share the story of how I ended up in, in student ministry. Um, so when God was calling us to do something different, we didn't know what that was, um, and when we stepped out, it was kind of a scary thing. But Jared and I, I think there's a picture of, of Jared and I that you can bring up on the screen. He actually runs this, this uh, ministry called Overcoming Obstacles. His experience on American Ninja Warrior. Anybody seen the show? Surely you have. It's super awesome. Uh, he hasn't had the most success on the show. Oh, man, you busted the news already. That's okay. That's all right. Uh, so he calls me, and he's like, hey, man, like you got a lot of time on your hands. I stepped out of ministry. Uh, you look the part of a ninja. We go way back. Do you want to come uh, speak for me and hang out and do ministry together? And I was like, of course, I can go play and tell people about Jesus. This is awesome. Um, I haven't always been the greatest ninja, uh, but God uh, placed it on my heart to apply for the show. And they gave me the call. So this year I'll be competing on American Ninja Warrior uh, season 14. Uh, I don't know how well I'm going to do. I may fall on the first obstacle. Good Lord, please don't let me fall on the first obstacle. I may hit a buzzer. Who knows? But regardless, all glory to God. Man, I want God to use it. I want people so desperately to know about Jesus. As we were singing that song um, just about standing before God, all the heroes of the faith. I was literally brought to tears just being thankful of, of all the men and women that have uh, um, sacrificed their life for me personally to know Jesus. I mean, personally, like my, my grandfather, my uncles, my, my own dad, like and the ones that have already gone on into glory that are seeing him face to face, like the sacrifices they made that I may know Jesus. Like that's what I want my life to be about. I want people so desperately to know Jesus. I grew up in the church. I grew up a, a preacher's kid. As I, as I said, any preacher's kid is in, in the house right here. Um, some of you <clears throat> have already lived the childhood years of being a PK. Uh, but I want you to know something. It's okay for you not to be perfect. It's okay to admit your failures, right? It, it, it truly is. If we carry this sense that, man, I'm a PK, I, I have to be good, I have to be perfect, like I can't get caught skinny dipping in the, hot, in the uh, baptistry like I did when I was 11. Uh, that truly happened. Uh, I was 11, so it's okay, I guess. No, it's really not okay. <laughs> Just the, the promise of a life, living a, a PK, man. Just living in the church. Uh, came to know Christ when I was 12 years old. God graciously saved me. Uh, it really is hard sometimes to understand your need of salvation when you grow up in a church. 
It really is when you grow up a PK that it's okay to admit your failures and your need of salvation and to truly understand that. But God graciously saved me when I was 12 and I loved everything about the church. I loved serving in the church. I loved the people of the church. I loved seeing my dad set a great example of what it truly meant to, to encourage people and to love people where they were at. Through their victories, we celebrated victories. We hurt with people when they were hurting. I was joking with the kids. I was like, I probably could have run a ministry when I was six years old. I I knew the church in and out. When I was a junior in high school, um, my world was rocked, man. We had a, a situation in our family that came up, which forced my dad to step out of the church we were at my whole life, basically. And what I noticed in that, in that season, there was no grace offered to my family. There was no grace offered to me. I was wounded by something that I, that I loved and cared so much about as a, as a junior in high school. To walk through something in my family when you invest so much in other people and then it seems like nobody cared about you in the season. A handful of people did and I'm grateful for that. It wounded me deeply. And so as I graduated and moved on and went to, uh, from a small town Baptist bubble into the most liberal college in uh, the state of Texas, I won't tell you where I went, you can research that, uh, I was all of a sudden bombarded with a different belief system than I had ever been around. It's crazy. And what, what really I, I found myself doing was I was so wounded by the church, I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with with the people of the church. They weren't there for me when I needed them most. Why would I want to be around them? And I I I was saved, but I was lost. I knew I had purpose. And what I'm going to talk about today is um, is discipleship and and being discipled like a ninja and being encouraged. But in a season where I needed it most, I was being discipled. But I was being discipled by the world, by ungodly people. And they were stirring me in a direction that I didn't need to go. And the entire time, I knew I was doing things that I should not be doing because I had the Holy Spirit living inside of me. It's only by the grace of God one evening, uh, after living in, in ungodliness and in some filth, man, that, that God graciously met me in my apartment on Markville Drive in Dallas, Texas, brought me to my knees and reminded me uh, who my savior was. He reminded me who my daddy was, basically, right? And that I was valued to him and that my faith was in him and not people. And so I began to press into Jesus and, to, and to, to just to seek him in a way that I never had before. I had a hunger and a desire to know my savior because I needed him so desperately. And what God began to do is he began to shift my desires and my heart's and he had me run back to the very same place that had, that had wounded me so deeply. I had a heart to be around the people of God. I needed to be around the people of, of God. I needed their encouragement and their support. I'm a broke college kid. I needed their money. I'm just kidding. I needed their guidance, the guidance of men of the faith. I, I needed those things. I had that in my family, but I needed it to be met where I, where I was at. There's a lot of people, you don't know the things that they're walking through, church. And we're called to be an encouragement to them. 
As I, uh, as I announced that Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior called me to compete on the show, I'm sitting here thinking, oh man, like, I'm pretty good at this stuff, but good grief, I'm not ready to compete with some of these guys. And what I've noticed in the ninja community is, is like, it's a competition, yes, and if you win, you win a million dollars, right? And my, my senior pastor was like, man, go hit that buzzer, win a million dollars, and then tithe on that, man, that'll be awesome. <laughs> but what I noticed was, Like, I'm not the strongest ninja. I'm not the most gifted ninja. Which, by the way, you guys need to hurry up and and hire a pastor because you're letting ninjas preach to you on Sunday morning. (laughs) Uh, I can say that. This is my first event as an official ninja warrior. Uh, But what I noticed was, man, like, people were genuinely excited for me. Like, they want to see me do well. And it's not only they say that with their words, they're like, hey, Brent, when can we meet up and when can I teach you the things that I have learned along the way? The mess ups in in my approach to certain obstacles, I want you to know those things because I want you to have the most success that you can have on the course. And and I began thinking as a pastor, right, and um, just as a leader, as someone who is supposed to be discipling others, I was like, man, the church has a lot to learn from the ninjas, we need to learn to disciple like a ninja. We need the encouragement. And actually, I need you to throw me my phone real quick, if you would. Uh, I meant to grab that. Um, sorry, I'm not perfect, right? I left it. Encouragement is very important uh, in the word of God. And I don't normally pull up my phone because it looks like I'm like Facebooking and all that kind of stuff. I promise you I'm not doing that. But what I did in my studies is I just pulled up... It's just a lot of verses of scripture that speak on encouragement. Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Encouragement. Each of us should uh, please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Uh, Romans 1, 11 through 12. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. John fifteen thirteen doesn't really say the word encouragement, but it says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friend. Right? There's a sacrifice in that for one another. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. That's my last name, so you guys bear me, bear with me, okay? Uh, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And encouragement is so vital. Um, and, and we as a people of God, as the church, like our mission, the Great Commission, uh, we have that given to us. And, and most of us know that, Matthew 28, 19. Uh, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Pause right there. Okay, go back. Go back to that first one. <clears throat> the church gets like a, a bad rap. Like we, we, we tend to think we do a terrible job of this. Like, can I encourage you real quick? I think we do a pretty good job of going and making disciples. I, I truly believe that. We saw it this weekend. Eight students respond to the gospel. That's super awesome. And we see it week in and week out. We can always do better, right, in our workplaces, in our jobs, in our careers, where it is, to make disciples of all nations and baptize them. We do a pretty good job of that. Something I, I think we need to work on a little bit more is that next verse, part of that. It says, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even into the end of the age. 
I speak a lot to the next generation, uh, as I mentioned before. And this teaching thing is so vital to spiritual growth. And yes, there is value in Sunday schools and small groups. There is a place for that. And it is vitally important to be opening up the word of God together and learning sound theology and, and things of that nature. But teaching happens also outside of those settings. Living life with one another. Opening up yourselves to one another for encouragement. You know, there's something about gathering together physically when you're walking together as a body of Christ. Because when you're walking closely together, you know what each other's are going, going through. So you may know my sister down the pew here. Man, she's had a rough week. Maybe she's battling a sickness or someone in her family. Or maybe she's experienced the loss of a loved one. You know how encouraging it is for someone younger to know what you're going through and to look over and see that yet you're still praising and lifting God up for his faithfulness? That is amazing. That's a teaching thing there for people to see that. So in Titus, uh, we'll skip there and I'll finally get to what I was going to speak on this morning. And we're going to focus a lot on just the whole entire chapter of uh, two there. But um, this is Paul writing a letter to Titus. We don't really know their previous relationship. Uh, We do know in verse 4, Paul says he's writing this to Titus. Uh, This is chapter 1. My true child in a common faith. So there's, uh, that's a great relationship. Maybe Paul has, maybe he led him to the Lord, maybe not. Uh, but we do know this. He was a, a spiritual father in a sense too, to Titus. And what they've done is they've, they've gone to the island of Crete, right? And, and this is kind of the early church. Paul's planning churches. Um, and he's raised Titus up. To then entrust him, they've gone and shared the gospel and, and I guess started churches there and, and he's got to go elsewhere and he's, he's going to lead Titus in charge. And it's, it's a, it's a very important thing that he's supposed to be doing here, assigning elders and pastors, appointing them across because what they're facing even early on, uh, in the early church is broken people, right? Uh, they're, they're facing legalism. And can I just stop right there? We have legalism running rampant in our church. In our churches today. And that is a killer to our mission in Christ. Like we need to stick to what is true and stick to what is important. Right? Another thing is, 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 uh, he's gonna harp on sound doctrine in a minute. Like, like they were having teachings that weren't godly. They, they were not sound doctrine. And that is vital to what we're trying to do. And so, you know, Titus is here and being left and on the island of Crete. And so you know what that makes him? It makes him an island boy, just trying to pastor. Some of these, some of these people in here will be like, what is he talking about? Don't look it up. It's just something silly online. And I thought it would be funny to get a laugh and it worked. So here we go. How we carry ourselves is very important. Very important. The way this younger generation or the way young people in the faith see the way we carry ourselves is important. And so Paul tells Titus how pastors should act in that first sentence and how they should carry themselves. But in chapter 2, here's what he says uh, just to the, the body of Christ. Verse 1, he says, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. He starts with that. Okay, this is what he's telling Titus. And this is what he says. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, 
sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. And I've preached on this several times, but last night the Lord had me pause on that steadfastness because I shared with the students about the steadfast love of God. There's nothing you could do to ever make God love you less. And there's nothing you could do that's so great that Lord's saying, man, I'm super impressed by you. I'm gonna love you more. His love is just steadfast for us. It's perfect, just exactly what we need. And so older men, we're to carry ourselves in that way, in steadfastness. Older women, I'm not looking up to who that may be here. Likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home or wherever you're working in this culture today, uh, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, men, older men, Urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respect to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. Model the good works. Teaching cannot just be with our words. As a ninja... Somebody comes up to me, they're incredibly out of shape, they don't look very strong, and they're trying to give me pointers. Do you think I'm going to listen very well to that person? I will just because I'm nice, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to take those things and apply them to my life. We need realness, authenticity. If you're going to tell me to have faith in God, I want to see you how you, you respond to trials. I want to see those things. And, and most of the next generation, that's how we learn. That's what we want. That's what we need. And even back then, back in these days in the island of Crete, like that's, that's what the, these churches needed. So maybe a model of those in our teaching. And you skip down <clears throat> a little bit and he says, so then everything, they may adorn the doctrine of God. So that we may be decorated with the doctrine of God, this teachings of Christ Jesus. We may be made more beautiful by the doctrine of God. It's so vitally important to every ministry we have in the church. We must hold fast to the truth that is in God's word and not waver from it and teach straight from it. And not our opinions about anything. We must stick true to the truth that is in God's word. It's easy to share our opinions. Hello, social media. You know, one thing I pray when I step before people is, God, may this not be an opinion of Brent Burden, the ninja that's probably going to fall in the water. (laughs) May this be straight from your word. And so this is how we're to conduct ourselves as followers of Christ Jesus, so that we're teaching others to obey all that I've commanded you in part of the Great Commission, right? But he doesn't say, hey, act this way and good luck. No, because what he gets into next is what drives the strength 
to be able to be the, uh, that way. And he says in verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Back in, back in Timothy, Second uh, Timothy, yeah, Second Timothy, verse uh, chapter one. Um, <clears throat> it says, "Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner, but share in the suffering of the gospel by the power of God, who is uh, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus. This grace has appeared in the form of Jesus Christ. He left His throne in heaven, came down, lived the perfect, sinless life, wrapped Himself." in your sin and your shame and your guilt and died on the cross so that if we believe in that, turn from our sin and ourself and trust in that, we will be saved from our sins. We'll be gifted with this Holy Spirit. This grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Now, I'm not going to get into Calvinism and all this stuff today, right? But I believe personally, myself, that God's grace is offered for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, but here's the kicker. I'm starting to preach, all right? Here's the kicker. God's grace is not something that you're entitled to because you go to church, because you're raised in church, because you're a good person, which by the way, any reflection of good in you apart from Christ Jesus is just simply, simply because you were made in the image of God. It's not in your own doing. But this offer of grace is, is, is not something we're entitled to. It's a, it's a gift that is freely given out of the love that Jesus Christ has for you. For anyone who would believe and be changed by it, all people. And here's what the God's grace does for us, church. We sing about amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. You like that falsetto? It's beautiful. I started too high, but it was there. Right? <clears throat> we sing about that, and we collide with God's grace on the cross. But it doesn't end there for us. God's grace in our lives begins at the cross. And it's a lifelong work of, of that God is working out in us. It's training us to renounce ungodliness. It ushers in the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and clean out the filth and the ungodliness. And worldly passions and to live controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. You know what this tells me? We can live godly lives now in the present age. It's not something we're working towards. Although there is, he, he mentions in one of his other letters that train yourselves for godliness. We know there's a, 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 we have to put forth the effort. Like if I never went to the gym, I'm not gonna get stronger, right? I can't just expect like my muscles to be like, hey man, we just thought we'd show up one day because you repented, like, there's an effort, there, there, there's, there's part of us putting forth the work, but it's all through the grace work in our life. Does that make sense to you guys? So that we can live godly lives in the present age, so that we can model these works, uh, these, uh, these good things um, to be self-controlled, sound in faith. Um, model those things for them because the work of God's grace in our lives. Now, in verse 13 
Here's a beautiful thing that God's grace does for us. It gives us hope. It says, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. This grace that saves us, that allows us to live godly lives here on earth, um, that drives us to, to, for passion for people to collide with and to know Jesus. Like, I'm a jacked up person apart from Jesus. I know that. I have nothing to offer him that's without him, man, like what, what impact am I going to make apart from the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through me? Like I just do ninja stuff. God does the saving. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, you put forth that effort. God does the saving in that. And what it does is like, as we're singing that song, I, I began to like think as I'm sitting there, we're, we're singing about one day. Standing before all the people of the faith, the warriors of the faith, the heroes of the faith that had gone on before us. And there are many people in this room that will never experience that day. Will never experience that day. Because we haven't surrendered to, to what Jesus Christ can do for us. The salvation, this grace is extended to us. The only way you're going to see Jesus face to face as his child, a born again believer in him, is by giving up this world for what he has to offer today. It's not going to be a last minute thing for you where God's going to say, you know what? You're actually a pretty cute person. I'm going to just let you in. It's not going to work that way. But we have this blessed hope that Jesus Christ is coming and he's coming back for us. This appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, he's coming again. He's coming again. Verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. We have a freedom in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer bound to my sin and my shame. Like I can run this course of life with confidence and knowing that however good I do or the great things that I do, like it's not about my glory. I'm not strong enough to to, to carry that glory, right? It's going to puff me up and boast me up and then I'm going to fall, right? But all in the glory, all in the glory of God, we have a freedom from our sin. And I love that, man, in almost every letter that Paul writes to people, he's constantly reminding people to encourage them. Remember the freedom you have in Jesus Christ to worship him freely, no matter what you did this last week. In the privacy of, of your, your own life. That nobody else knows about. Jesus knows it and he meets you in it because you're precious to him. And he doesn't see those things. It's a freedom. But it's not for our glory. Paul wraps it up here. And to purify for himself. Not to purify for ourselves. But to purify for himself. A people for his own possession. And we know what it cost him to own, to own that and to possess us. It cost him his life. That's how precious you are to him. That's how much he wants to possess you. And you know what? This is so cool. If you look over in chapter 1 
And I'm about to wrap up with you guys. This eternal life, this blessed hope that he mentions a few verses ago that we get to look forward to. In chapter 1, verse, verse 2 in his greeting, he says, uh, In hope of the eternal life, which God, I love this, this is so funny. Paul's like, which God, who never lies, right? God never lies. Just remember, Titus, just wanted to remind you in the beginning of my letter, God never lies. So people of God, God never lies, okay? He says, in hope of the eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages again. Oh, snap, what just happened? God's plan of redemption for you and for me was put in place before the ages began. God's not up there going, oh, no, he's doing this now. Oh, oh gosh, man, how, how do I fix this? What do I, oh, my gosh, how, how am I going to control this situation? That's not our God. Our God is so foreknowing and so foreloving that he had a plan to restore you and offer grace in your life before the earth even existed, before the ages began, before there was even a breath in your lungs. There's that much purpose in your life and for the grace that God extends you and the grace that God extends me. Before the ages began, that's nuts. He knew the mistakes you would make. He knew the sins you would commit. Yet before the ages began, he was like, ooh, I cannot wait for this story to play out. For this ninja who fails time and time again, for him to see the love I have for him and the things that I'm going to do in and through him in my power, ooh, what I got in store for him. Church, oh, what God has in store for you this morning. So as we live our lives, God says to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works that would drive us to do great works for him to receive the glory and all of these things. And as we live to encourage people to follow Jesus and love him and trust in him through anything life throws their way, this is what he says to wrap it up. In in verse 15, he says, declare these things. This doctrine of God, this hope of God, and all of these things. He says, exhort and rebuke with all authority. In that order, he speaks of the grace of God, then exhorting, then rebuking. And there's a place for that and correction. We've been extended grace. We should, ex- we should extend grace to others. If we're going to be quick to rebuke others, we have to be open to to being rebuked ourselves. If we're going to correct others, we have to be open to correction ourselves because nobody in here is perfect. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God. I have a saying that may stick with you. We're all called to be salt and light, right? We're all salty, but a little faulty. We're messed up in need of an incredible savior. So, man, may that just drive you this morning to want to do more for what Jesus Christ has done in your life and the grace he extends you. Maybe it's forgiveness that you haven't extended somebody else. As a band is coming back up, um, that's, maybe we need to go into a time of response to that as, as they worship with us. 
Maybe it's unforgiveness you haven't extended to other people. Maybe you need to seek out forgiveness from somebody else. Maybe you're in such a difficult situation. Maybe the church has wounded you. Maybe you're just walking in discouragement. Praise God that God alone is enough for you. But this, what we have here in in friendships and in this church, man, that is a great gift of God that he has given us because he knew we we would need each other. We are not made to walk this life alone. We need each other, church. We need that encouragement. We need that correction. And and when we live godly lives, that's what drives it. When we hold fast to sound doctrine and we live according to the scripture, although not perfect, never perfect. But when we walk in accordance with God's word and we're connected with this beautiful grace of God, then we can extend encouragement and grace to other people. So that's my challenge to you this morning. You're waiting on a pastor right now but this is the church this is the church and and i will say this if you bring in a pastor that has a family and has kids would you love them would you allow them to fail would you let them know it's okay to admit their brokenness because there's a god who loves them just as much as he loves anybody else I don't know what God needs to do in your life as we worship this morning, but I pray that you allow him to do it. Let me, let me pray for you. God, I just thank you so much for your grace. I thank you for this opportunity to get to stand with this beautiful congregation. Open up your word and to speak on grace that you put in place before the ages began. And I just pray that everybody out there would just feel that you value them, you created them with an intention and with a purpose before they even took a breath and that they could trust you every step of the way. I pray that we as a church, God, that we would be encouraging people and not discouraging people. That we would understand that we can't just teach with our, with our words and with our mouth. We need to show people. We need to model this grace of God in our lives for people that desperately need a savior. Would you drive us to desire people to know you and to, to, to be baptized into your kingdom and to walk in truth and, and to understand what it means to, to follow Jesus, to teach them to obey all that you've commanded us. And that's to love you and love others. Would you work in this place today? And all God's people said, amen.